Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. still with you and we've reconnected with conrad black my apologies conrad uh there are gremlins in the system this afternoon but uh wanted to pick it up in progress because uh always interested in your thoughts and this one is a an occasion where you know obviously uh differing differing points of view as to uh because we're in uncharted waters you were saying that you know shutting down the entire economy which is effectively what's happening here might not be necessary to do so you just wanted to continue with that point quickly well, yeah. Uh, by the way, it, it was sort of humorous in a way. I, 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 my cell phone rang, and so I turned it off so I would so I could continue my <laughs> response to you. And eventually, I discovered I was talking to myself. Anyway, here we are. Uh, the, the, the film rights would have been interesting. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, look, it's a balance of, of the two dangers. I mean, it's a, a public health crisis. And the response to it produces an economic crisis, and they're both important. Now, life is more important than money. There's no argument about that. But we're not talking about uh, a, a malady that is life-threatening other than to uh, elderly and and already unhealthy, you know, uh, sick. Well, they're, they're changing that, though. They're saying there are a lot more young people who are contracting the virus yeah, now, so they're not know, immune. This is true, but it's not life-threatening to them. Uh, I mean, they, they're picking it up because a lot of the young people think it's bunk and they're not accustomed to this. And, they, you know, you know what it's like when you're 20 years old. You think you know, the people telling you to stay away from your girlfriend are just idiots. So they all of them. And, and you know, but, but but 40 40 percent in the states, 40 percent of the uh, lives that have been lost are in that 20 to 49 demographic, they say. Well, then it must be people who, who despite being relatively young, have some other problems. Because, well, that's true. When when you take out the elder and in the American figures, particularly just the ones around that that home for elderly people near Seattle, if you if you if you take it out, the percentage of people apart from those above the age of seventy or with pre-existing conditions, as identified by the by the Department of Health and Human Services in the U.S. I mean, I'm just trusting their statistics here. The, the, the fatality level is only about a quarter of one percent. Now, look, every death is unfortunate, no matter how it comes or when it comes. But uh, you you cannot shut down the economy of a country of 330 million people or 38 million people in our case uh, for for a, a relatively small statistical. Sampling of people, given how vulnerable they are, 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 are you know don't have a particularly good life expectancy anyway. But Conrad, New York, the Governor Cuomo, uh, Gavin Newsom out in California, uh, two of the most popular states in America, and I guess it's about uh, well, California's got forty million more than all of Canada. Shelter in place, they've shut that down. New York State, uh, everybody has to stay indoors. Nobody goes out but first responders. Well, I, in the first place, I don't think we can enforce it. In the second. I think it's a mistake in judgment, but Cuomo and Newsom are the governors and not I. Uh, but, but in the third place, you can't do it for long. I, I, I mean, the administration's accepted the, the 15-day cycle for Dr. Fauci and the rest, and they're adhering to it. 
But but I, they've already given notice that on day 14, they'll decide whether they continue with this. But it seems to me that, for example, children are practically immune from this or to the extent they get a, they get a light case. But I don't see why we don't reopen the elementary schools, at least. I mean, it, it, the worst case is it's like the measles. We all got measles when we went to school. But, you know, you come back after a few days. But they may and, carry the contagion. What if they infect their teachers or other people, other personnel? Well, look, I, I, you know, I, I, I think, frankly, what you have to get to is a, a, a serious analysis of the statistics. And we have enough figures to be able to get a clear idea of, of uh, the, the level of, let's say, the level of reintegration of society. Uh, compared to the likely increased incidence of, of the of the ailment, it being understood that under any scenario, we're, we're trying as best we can to segregate all the vulnerable people, all the clearly vulnerable people. So the, for all the rest of us, I mean, I'm over 70, but my health is good. I don't think I'm particularly in danger of my life. I, uh, all right, so it really comes down to a cost-benefit analysis of a sort. I'm afraid it doesn't, but, it, but I mean, we all start from the premise that if it's a contest between life and money, we're all pro-life. There's no argument about that. Right. But, uh, but, uh, but if, if we're down to, uh, you know, uh, influenza, which is an inconvenience to people, but not a, not a life threat to them, against uh, the the comparative prosperity of millions of people and the avoidance of unemployment and so forth, then that, that you're quite right. It's cost-benefit analysis, but we, we, we've got to avoid histrionics. We can't have people standing on soapboxes saying we're putting filthy lucre ahead of our immortal soul and things like that. No one's talking about that. All right, with Conrad Black, uh, let me ask you, because, I mean, a, a cost-benefit analysis down the road, we know already we've... Uh, spent or, you know, it's been promised by Bill Morneau earlier this week uh, in terms of tax deferrals and direct uh, assistance and still more to come, it looks like. Uh, I'm just looking at some of the stats. The Dow drops more than 900 points. The coronavirus fears give stocks their worst week since 2008. Uh, federal government receives, this is in Canada now, 500,000 new applications for employment insurance this week alone. Last week is 27,000. This week, 500,000 more to come. So people are reeling. Uh, I guess I'm going to say, what do we do? How do we pay for all of this when we finally come through it, Conrad? Well, you see, this brings me to the second problem that, that, that that's preoccupies me about this, and that is I am afraid that with the best will in the world, uh, those in charge of our public finances here and in other countries are addressing this like previous financial crises. But the origins of this crisis are different from any financial crisis we've had in our lifetimes. And people go back to 08, 09. There, the financial institutions were in terrible difficulty because of the bad loans and the, and the housing bubble. Uh, and, then, and then they got tangled up in the so-called consolidated obligations because they were all insured. So all, all practically all the lenders and, and, uh, and, uh, and the insurance companies, well, that entire industry was in the tank. Uh, well, here, that isn't the problem at all. And, and I think the way to go is to assume that every business, every business from, from a great airline down to the corner store has business interruption insurance. Now, in fact, very few of them do, but that's not the point. We pretend they do 
and they put in applications to their insurers, and the insurers are authorized to pay, and they pay, my idea is in a sort of script, uh, as it's called, an improvised currency that the government prints that will be in circulation and acceptable within the country for payment of things like rent or buying groceries or whatever, it being understood that at, at some time in the next year when this whole crisis is passed, the public health crisis, the, the government will redeem the script. Uh, you know, they'll pay out this currency. Now, they may not pay it all in cash. They may pay it in, in tax deferrals to companies or individuals to whom that's useful. They may pay it in direct infusions of, uh, by giving, uh, say, a bond or something. I mean, uh, it, we've got to leave it to the Ministry of Finance or the Treasury in the U.S. to, to determine the best way to repay them. But they will be repaid. But in the meantime, everybody can function. A guy who has to shut his business because of a complete close down order by <clears throat> the state governor, or the premier of the province, or the mayor, or whatever it is, uh, he's, he's sitting there looking at his stock uh, deteriorating, and, um, and, and his door is locked, so no customers are coming in, but he still has to pay his bills. Well, we've got to take care of these people. Understood. And, and that's my suggestion for how to do it, because if we do it the way we did it in 2008, of, of just pushing the money around and through the small business administration and so forth, it, it, all the damage will be done by the time these people get any benefit. The bureaucracy doesn't move quickly. If we're talking as we are now about millions of small businesses and small business people. All right. You're talking about a separate fiat currency. I, I don't want to diminish the importance of it. It's like, you know, Canadian tire money being applied, you know, but it still has well, some value. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, but this would be printed by the government. You, you had that in, in uh, 1933 in the United States. Roosevelt printed special script or the Treasury did on his instruction, and it was available to the banks to stop the runs on banks while they put through the legislation guaranteeing bank deposits. But And in the meantime, the, the Federal Reserve merged banks to, to, to ensure that the depositors were taken care of, even if the equity holders went to the wall. That happens when you buy a share in a public company. You know that you may lose your money. That's different to putting your money in a bank. Then you must have the confidence that it, that it is in no danger. Right. And, uh, right. It protects Conrad. I got to go on that note. I know I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, there's still more to talk about and unpack here with this COVID-19. It's a complicated problem. <laughs> we'll, uh, they don't we'll, lend themselves to glib answers and shame on anyone who is glib. No, I understood. Uh, point well taken. We'll talk, uh, I'm sure, more about it because it'll persist into next week, too. So we'll look forward to that. Again, stay healthy over the weekend. Stay healthy to you and all your listeners, John. Thank you. Conrad Black, author, commentator, and historian. Coming up to the news in detail, first we'll get out to Tom. At Tom's Place, which is closed for the time being, but close is the operative word because when it comes to close, I mean, Tommy, I know you're stockpiling yourself. It's going to be pent-up demand when you're finally open again with all the spring arrivals. From your voice to God's ear, I mean, listen, it's it's one of those things that we never could prepare. Nobody knew what was going to happen, and it's here. I feel that the prime minister, our premier, they're both doing the best job they can. Doc Ford has been a peacemaker. I'm very impressed with him, and I've listened to him and the prime minister, and, you know, it gives us hope. They both give us hope, and they do these 
interviews and, and they go on television and on radio and they're giving us hope. Uh, it's very important for the small businesses to have hope. I go to my store, I picked up my mail, the bills are coming, but everybody's facing the same dilemma. I'm not any special. All of the small businesses are facing problems and it's our duty and it's our responsibility that we help the workers and the small businessmen to get over this. Our healthcare system is still going strong. Those nurses and doctors, the kind of work, work they do, it's unbelievable. We're so blessed and we're so lucky we have them. And all I can hope for is that, you know, maybe two, three weeks down the road, we'll open up our store and business is back to somewhat normal. But in order for that to happen, social distancing. You know, I'm not, I'm very, I'm very hard for me to learn new words. Social distancing. That's the key. Mm. You know, when people go to Florida, they come back and they, they're like butterflies. They're going to start going from places to places. And, you know, you got to stay home. Stay home. Quarantine yourself. You know, I treat this disease is like everybody's got it. Stay away. Stay away. Stay away. You know, I usually I'm the first one to hug somebody, but I say, hold on. Hold on, I'm not going there. You know, uh, last week at this time, you would not have known that word quarantine. Now you're using it like you're a doctor. Well, I tell you the honest <laughs> truth, that word has been around for many hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah, okay. They've been using quarantine forever. This is not something new that we invented. Mm. Quarantine has been, you know, the ships when they traveled all over the world three, four hundred years ago, they were quarantined. They could even they could get off, get off of the ship. So please remember, everybody has this the virus. Stay away. Stay away. Please don't go out and don't go to Tom's place because he's closed. That guy closed up and that's it. It is for now. Uh, for there now. you go. Well, <laughs> all right, Tom. Uh, have a safe weekend and we'll talk on the other side. A reminder, when it does get open, though, uh, you're going to want to make it uh, in due course to Tom's place, 190 Baldwin Street in Kensington Market. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.